All right, ladies, I'm excited to introduce Trisha. Trisha Mojica is going to be our guest speaker this morning. I say guest, she's just one of us, right? She's one of the girls. Um, she has been um, the assistant, administrative assistant for women's ministry now for four years. Five years. See, neither one of us keep track of time very well. It's just been so much fun. Hey, what can you say? Time flies when you're having fun. She's amazing, ladies. Um, she walks in so many giftings. Administrative is one of many things that God has gifted her to do. I know she has an anointed prophetic word for you this morning, a word of encouragement, comfort, and edification. And I'm just going to ask her to come and flow, girl. Flow in the Holy Spirit. She's got something amazing for you this morning. Welcome her as she comes. Am I on? I'm on. All right. All right. Uh, like Pastor Heron said, um, uh, probably like a week ago, I'm working on this, and you know we're on doing our freedom stuff, and uh, God gave me a word, and I thought, okay, God, but it doesn't have anything to do with what you know I'm supposed to be sharing. And so as time comes and as we get closer to Thursday, of course, tossing and turning at night and feeling a little pressure and anxiety even. And this morning I woke up at 3 a.m. and I'm like, it's, it's, it's turning. And so at 5 o'clock in the morning, I finally said, that's it. <laughs> Fine. Sitting at my laptop, squirreling, writing it all out. And as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh, well, duh, this, this is a word for somebody. <laughs> somebody needs to hear this today. And, and I thought, God, you know, we can be so focused on an agenda, so focused on a schedule, so focused and distracted from things that busy us that we, we're hearing them, like you heard last week, you, you hear him. All right, you're hearing him, you sense him, you see him. But we can become so distracted in our life that we think, eh, eh, uh, I'll, I'll catch that another time. But the thing that I love so much about God is that he just keeps on pressing you. And it don't matter, if, he's, if you gotta lose some sleep over it, he don't care. <laughs> don't bother him any he just wants the word shared and so you know God, God will keep on pushing until he's going to have his way with you and so it was, it was interesting so this morning like I said we're, we're going to be talking about tactics that uh, the enemy likes to use to stop us to delay us in the call in your life. He likes to use deceit, distractions, disappointments. I feel like this mic, like I'm in and out. Am I in and out? No? Okay, it's me. And, you know, so I'm, I'm gonna start this a little bit differently because I'm gonna share with you what God had me or wants me to share. So I'm gonna start with Acts 9, one through seven, if you wanna go there. This is when uh, Saul's name changed to Paul. 
And so I'm just going to jump right in it. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, and if you don't know the way, the way was a Hebrew word that they used to describe those who were following Jesus' teachings, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Because at the time uh, when, when the, the gospel was starting to be shared, the word of God was starting to be shared, the Pharisees were starting, it, and Saul was part of this, persecuting the Christians. And so they started to flee to Damascus. And so Paul or Saul, what he was doing is he was going around gathering them up. And he was going to take them to prison. In fact, Saul was part of murders. I mean, Stephen, who was a disciple, he, he watched them and he was a part of stoning him and he had no problem with it. And so he's on the road and it says as he's nearing Damascus with the mission on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Who are you, Lord? He knew who it was. <laughs> Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now understand, he wasn't by himself. He was with other people around him that were on the same message. And they were speechless because they heard the sound, but they did not see anything. Saul was the only one that saw it or heard it. Speechless. Saul was a highly educated man he was very religious. He knew the word of God. He was a good Pharisee. Sincerely believed that the way the Christian movement was dangerous to Judaism. And when God stopped him in his hurried way, in his tracks to Damascus, was saying to Saul, now listen, I see your heart. Okay, I know your heart, but you don't know me. There are going to be times that God is going to stop you dead in your tracks. And he may ask you or cause you to take a 360 in your life because it was the suddenly that changed Saul to Paul. That's when he was named Paul. And his mission and his vision changed drastically. Drastically. I love the suddenly. Suddenly. There's times in your life, like I said, that you're going to turn 360 because God is going to grab you with a suddenly. Suddenly. 
And there are gonna be people in your life and around you who are gonna be left speechless. And they may criticize you. They may judge you. They may think you're kind of crazy. They may even suggest that you see a doctor or something. (laughs) But here's the thing. God knows your heart. And are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to let him take you on a path that is different from where you are right now? Are you willing to, to let him allow you to, it, to change 360, no matter who criticizes you, no matter if your family turns against you, your friends turns against you, your husband turns against you, it doesn't matter. But are you willing to just fall to your face and say, Lord, are you willing to allow the suddenly to happen in your life? It takes trust. It takes a lot of faith. The evidence of who you are today and who God has called you to be is in your actions, in your lifestyle. People are going to judge it. People are going to call you out on it. Are you willing? Listen, we live in a bold world today, a bold society. They don't have no problem telling you what they think or feel. They have no problem putting the, <laughs> the mess on the TV stations, on the radios, in your face, in our church. What are you willing to be bold for? You know, we have so many things like Amy was talking about going on and so many people walking in disappointment and anxiety when God is saying, stop. Stand and be firm. I've given you a voice to be bold and to be strong. I've given you the living word of God. You are a light in this world. We are called to be a part of this world. Are you willing to let your voice be heard no matter who comes against you? Because he says we will be persecuted. We are not going to live here without troubled times. Just curious, how many of you, because I am, a first-generation Christian, I mean, really, a believer in your family, Who's willing to raise their hands? All right? When you're a first generation living out for the Lord, out loud, boldly, and it's not just your voice speaking it, but your example, your life is showing it. Because words mean nothing. People watch. People are watching for your response. People are watching how you're going to react, how you're going to handle things. Your family's watching you. Well, let me tell you something. When you're a first generation of believers in your family, you're breaking generational curses, you're breaking bondages, you're breaking yokes, you're breaking chains off. And the enemy hates you. He wants to do everything he can to stop 
you from doing what God has called you to do because he knows the whole root system below you can change. Your offspring, your children's children, generations below you will speak and shout the name of Jesus because you decided to take the stand when everybody else could care less. And your family will judge you. I'm sure you know that. They'll come against you. They'll criticize. I've been blessed. I've been, I've been embraced. And my family has come along. Thank you, Jesus. We have support. We have love. But it didn't come without the trials. It didn't come without the times of argument and testing because we disagreed or we didn't see eye to eye or we didn't understand why, why I love them so much, but why don't they love me? Because when you come from a messed up home that can't give love, that can't give an ear, that could really not give anything, how can I expect it? You learn to live differently. You learn to understand that there's only one place that I can turn to, and that's the Lord. He strengthens me. He gives me the things that I need. People feared Paul, Saul to Paul. When he turned to Paul, people were frightened of him because he was a murderer. And, and everywhere he went, people wanted to kill him, do away with him. They didn't want anything to do. It took time before they realized that he had the heart of God. He had a word that needed to be spoken. Not even all the disciples were on board. They were even cautious, like, well, you know, Lord, what are you doing, man? This dude just killed stuff, and really? Think about it. Well, ladies, you're a game changer. You're an atmosphere changer. You're a generation changer. You carry a seed. I, I'm blessed to be a woman. You know why? Because men don't carry a seed. We carry the seed. We carry a fruit that can carry on for generation to generation. That's why the enemy hates you. So that was my word. <laughs> so we're going to move in now. You know, talking about that, and I know God will connect it all together. I'm not worried about it. That there are times in our life that, and, and I know that I'm surely not the only one, that you feel like you just got a bullseye on your back. You're just like, what the heck? I can't even go to the store without being attacked. Are you kidding me? What is going on? 
Feels like everywhere that you turn, there's obstacles. There's, there's something that just keeps on hitting you. You're hitting a wall. And, and you need to know there's a reason why. You need to know that the enemy is, is out there to kill, steal, and destroy. But he knows that if he can d- delay you, if he can deceit you, lie to you, and he can distract you and cause you to walk in heavy disappointment, he's got you. And not only does he have you, but he has your family. He has your children, your husband. Because if you're not standing in the gap praying and fighting for your family, who is? Who is? My husband, he's a good man, he prays. But there is authority when a woman stands and has it out. That enemy, he don't want nothing to do with you. You, you get up in the morning and, and he's, he's feeling your foot starting to hit the ground. And you're like, oh Lord, here she comes, look out, look out. Wonder what she's got in store for me today. <clears throat> He knows. <clears throat> and the, and the, the closer that you get to a breakthrough, the closer that a miracle is getting ready to leave God's hand, the harder it gets. The harder it gets. See, the enemy, enemy knows partially what's happening. <clears throat> And he can see things that are happening, but he doesn't know the whole plan. Only God knows the whole plan. Only he does. So the enemy likes to just throw things that just tamper with us, just mess. Just wants to mess with you. And you know, and, and, and I love, we, and here's the thing, we wanna make it complicated because we're women. All right, maybe you don't, but you know, sometimes I think, oh, I'm marching around my house because I just wanna hear myself, when really, we just need to go to the word of God. And he just said, it is written, get behind me, Satan. That's it. It's not complicated. That's all we have to speak. Is the name of Jesus, and he flees. We were born in the midst of battle. Second Timothy 3.12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Matthew 5.10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. It's our kingdom. 2 Corinthians says, 4.9, that persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I can't tell you how many times that the enemy probably thought he kicked me down. And you bounce back up. You're like, oh, crap. Thought I had her with that one. No. His job is to paralyze he wants to stop you. <clears throat> and when we, when we are struggling, I heard somebody say this at, at one time, so this isn't mine. But it said, this person said that when we're struggling, it's a sign of life. 
It's a good thing. That's because you're a threat to the enemy. And he don't want you to have any part of of praying and standing in the gap for people and, and coming against him. So struggling is a sign of life. Struggling is a sign that you are moving closer to your breakthrough. And that means that when he's kicked you down, you gotta get back up. You can't stay there. No, 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 no. You gotta get back up. And you gotta move forward. Because you're that close, that close. And he knows that. The enemy likes to use delay. Man, delay is a period of time by which something is late or postponed to weaken you and to wear you out. How many can say, oh yeah, I know what delay is. To cause you to lose your way. Like I said, delay will cause you to stop dead in your tracks and start to question God or start crying out, what did I do? I must have did something. Why aren't you answering? Look at, look at Georgie, man. Her prayers are getting answered all the time. I've been praying for this thing for 10 years. Seriously, God. Really? Maybe you've been praying for something for a year, years. You haven't seen an answer. You haven't even come close to seeing it come into play. And you think that you're not hearing him, but you are. And, you know, and for when we're stagnant at that point, the enemy is whispering in your ear to stay where you are. Just stay there. You know, don't move. But his hope, the enemy's hope is that you will start walking by sight and not by faith. That's his whole hope. That's his agenda. Is that you will start to look around you for the answers and try to make it happen. We're women, we make things happen, okay? You get a room full of guys and they're trying to make a decision and it just don't happen. You get women in there, it's a done deal. We make things happen. And I think it's, it, it's not just interesting because I've, I've seen this in myself is that I've been praying for something and, and I'm like, I, I know what's got to happen. I, God, I got this. I'm going to do this, this, and this. You know, he's just standing back going, but you're not ready. It's not your time. We don't know why. And as women, sometimes we just, we do. We need to surrender and release that to him. And we need to make account when we're in that place, we need to tell ourselves to get up off the floor, to get up and to keep on walking, to keep on moving in the things that he's told us last, what to do. Because you've come too far to just sit down and not do nothing. Because on the other side of this attack is victory. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. <coughs> uh, 
yeah. Successful people take action quickly. That's what makes them successful. And they change their minds slowly because they understand it's not about what they see. It's not about what they're seeing. They dig in and they press in to God's promises and into his word because they understand that our timing is not God's timing. So that means I just lay off the gas. It means I need to push in harder. I need to start recounting the things that have happened, the miracles that have happened, the answer prayers that have happened. I need to start praising and shouting out to the Lord that he is a good God. And I need to speak the word of life in my home, in my marriage, in my children, because I'm not seeing it, but I'm going to speak it because this is what the word of God says. Amen. Declaring his promises out loud until they manifest in you. When we speak the word and we're in the word, you know, God's cool. It's for you. It's to build you up. It's to build the word in you, in your spirit, to move forward. You know, like I said, the enemy just wants us to wallow. And then he wants to bring in deceit. And he wants to lie to us, to derail us, you know, God's purposes by making spiritual principles into legalism. To move you from stability of truth to the instability of error. This happens very easy. All it takes is somebody in delay, impatient, not in the word of God, to say, you know what, it don't matter anyways. I'm not worth it. You know, I have to earn it anyways. So I need to figure out what I can do to earn God's love. <clears throat> because maybe then something's going to happen. Maybe if I busy myself so much, I can earn his love and his forgiveness. So many people walk in shame and condemnation of their past, that they're workers. Work, 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 work. That was me when I was younger. Oh my gosh, I was always busy. And I was always so stressed out, tired. Why? Because I was trying to earn God's love. I was trying to earn forgiveness. I was trying to be accepted. Because when you come from a home of rejection, your whole goal in life is approval. To be accepted. So after I spent a couple of years doing that and got tired of that, and, and somebody kind of just slapped me upside the head and said, what the heck are you doing? That's not our God. God's grace. You don't need to earn his love. You already have it. Fear of failing will cause us to walk in error, allowing our emotions and flesh to lead us 
peer pressure. The enemy would have you believe that you're warring against your spouses, your children, family, relationships, your boss, when really, it's a spiritual warfare. The word of God says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and wicked, wicked forces. Why battle when it's already been won? Why battle your spouse when it's in God's hands? See, life is not about chances. I hear so many times people say, oh, I'm so lucky. Oh, man, it was just good karma around me. Really? No, you are highly blessed and favored by God. And he wants you to think that, no, it was a chance. It's a choice. Life is a choice. You have a choice. You choose where you're going to battle. You choose what you're going to do. You choose to be in the word of God. You choose to sit in bed or to get out of bed. You choose to live life and to choose life. It's a choice. There's times back when I was younger when I was really battling with legalism and this religious spirit that I was stuck. And... You know, when we get stuck and we're tossed around, like Ephesians says, you're tossed back and forth like the waves. And, and he's trying to say to you, pay attention. Pay attention to my words. It's right here. The truth is here. I'm trying to speak to you. But you're so busy with trying to perform for me. And I don't need you to do that. I just need you to accept this gift that I have for you. This love. There was a time that I, I literally, I, I couldn't get out of bed. I was so depressed. And that's what happens when you start getting in this cycle. Disappointments and hurts and all those can move into depression. And, and I would get out of bed and my leg would be hanging on to the last sheet. <laughs> it's like, don't let your bed take you captive. <laughs> because it had me. <laughs> and once again, a very dear friend said to me, girl, get out of that bed. What is wrong with you? You just need to start praising God. Because the spirit of praise breaks the spirit of oppression. Amen. Every time. And so I uh, was here, we, we started coming here, and I think one of the first messages I heard Pastor Dwayne talking about was the palm leaf, the yashana. How many heard that message? It's powerful. And... Uh, this was years later, and I was actually on staff with Russell. <laughs> Agnes remembers. And I was yashana and everything. <laughs> Getting out of bed, yashana, victory, north, south, west, east. Victory is mine in the name of Jesus, I'd be shouting. But you know what? When God calls you to do something silly, 
You just need to do it. Because he's asking you to do it for a reason. Are you willing to be obedient enough to do it? And so I'm yashana on everything. I'm in my kid's bedroom. Yashana, victory in the name of Jesus. Over the beds. <laughs> Over my husband. <laughs> yashana. I had that palm leaf whipping everywhere. <laughs> I had a good time. Well, let me tell you, the spirit of oppression did not last long. I opened up that front door and I said, yes, you know, out of here you go with that palm leaf. Kicked it right out my door. <coughs> How many know that when God asks you to do something, it's not going to make sense? It don't make sense to you. But when you're obedient and you do what he asks you to do, there is a blessing in it. There is a blessing in it. Distraction sometimes comes packaged as enticing opportunities, urgent obligations, hurtful criticism, unanticipated obstacles, sudden disputes, fruitless relationships, emotional issues that keep us occupied. No matter what the form they come in, distractions are dangerous. They either delay the call on our lives from being carried out, or worse, they prevent us from answering the call in our life. You know, Dwayne shared in, in service, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, where he was trying to spend some time with God, and all he could think about was Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprouts, really? Oh my gosh, who loves Brussels sprouts? I can't even believe he was eating Brussels sprouts. <laughs> wow. Ooh, they're nasty unless you put a lot of cheese and butter or something on them. <laughs> then it may be okay. But that's what happens. When, when we try to focus in on God and his truth and we focus in on time of prayer, the enemy wants to come in and he throws everything at us. He throws out good things, bad things, ugly things, crying kids, screaming kids. You know, it don't matter. A husband who walks in says, a woman, where's my food? You know? And you're just, you're just trying to spend time with God. I just want a conversation. I just want to hear him. You know, why? Why? I don't know. I have four kids around my ankles. They're like little ankle biters. It's like, I, I, what am I going to do? I couldn't go to the bathroom. All right? The door's open. They're having a conversation with me. Okay. But you know what? When we turn to God and we ask him to show us how we can spend that time with him, how we can make it real in our life to have that relationship with him, he, he'll show you. For me, it was taking a scripture. I didn't have time to sit around and read all the time. So it was taking a scripture and, and putting it on my mirror, putting it in my car, ahead everywhere. And sometimes that's what I meditated on for the whole week. And sometimes that's what I was shouting in my house when it was getting ugly. But distractions will come in so many ways to keep you from the things that God has for you. But he'll give you a plan. He'll take those Brussels sprouts away. You don't have to have them. It's okay. You know, Paul talks about a raging war against his mind, making him a prisoner 
Now here's one of the greatest man, men in the Bible. And here Paul is talking about this war that's happening inside of him. And, and we have that same war that's happening. It's not, it's not new. The enemy doesn't come up with new tactics. All he does is just kind of stir them up and, you know, but they're all the same. He's not creative. You know, he doesn't mention the enemy in this scripture, which is interesting. He doesn't talk about the enemy. He's just talking about the war. Rather, he talks about what's happening in his mind, the chattering, the stuff that just seems to run through our heads because we're busy women. We got things happening. I found a statistic that said 80% of our thoughts are not only devoid of any power to help us, but actively work against us. When we allow our thoughts to go unchecked, it's a steady drip of lies feeding into us, feeding into our spirit, into our hearts. And we're building a pattern in our life. We're building a wall. And, and here, Paul is talking about the same thing. What did he do? We, what we see in scripture says, we gotta take captive every thought. We just can't just let crap fly around in our minds. You know, I, I hear my kids sometimes talking and I'm like, oh, come on. Are you serious? You are speaking death, really? Uh-uh. That's not your name. You need to switch. Sometimes we gotta switch the talk that's happening in our head. We need to exchange it for the word of God. We need to replace the things that are trying to chatter along and we need to put the word of God in there so that when things are happening, we have that word to pull up into our mind. The Holy Spirit can pull it up and pull us back into what? Reality. Right here, right now. Not into the world, but into his truth. I uh, <clears throat> love how Peter, when he talks about how he steps out of the boat and he gets out into the water. Everybody knows this story, I hope, because <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole thing. But here they're out in the water and the seas are rough and they see a shadow, a figure walking out. And everybody around is scared and they're like, who is that? What is it? And Peter says, is that you, Lord? And he says, well, let me come out there to you. I'm giving you my version, by the way. It's not like text. So he steps out into the water and he's walking towards Jesus. Everything's good. He's cool. He's on the water. He's walking. He's doing great. But what happens? He starts to become frightened because he starts noticing his surroundings. Okay? Your surroundings will lie to you. Your surroundings will take you into places that God doesn't want you to be. 
see, Peter started to sink because he took his focus off of him and started looking at the waves and the winds around him. Now, I'll give him credit. It took a lot of courage to step outside of that boat to begin with. Karen was telling me she actually had that thought when they were in the midst of the storm while they were sailing that she thought, man, I can't even imagine stepping outside in that boat when you got waves up this high. How scary that would be. How much courage that took for him to step out and have faith and trust that he wasn't just going to automatically drown We can have so much faith and trust in a promise that God has given us. We can have so much faith and trust into a situation that's happening in our lives and all hell could be breaking loose around us and we're right here, we're focused, man. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's one word and it broke the camel's back. And you all know what I'm talking about. It's the one straw. And it takes you off, takes you to another path. Your storm may last for who knows how long, but it don't matter because you can find the most unexplainable joy and peace in a storm. <clears throat> that people will stare around you and say, I don't know how she's doing it. I don't know how. I don't know how she's getting out of that bed. Because I know where I'd be. There was a time when my husband and I were, oh, we were in a storm. We had things coming against us. And I, I, can't, I can't explain it. It was supernatural. I had so much joy and peace in my life. I was laughing about things that... I just, I had gladness all over me. It didn't matter. <clears throat> Said I had my times, yeah. But for the most part, when you're focused and you're staying in that relationship with God and you're not allowing the, the distractions of life pulling you away, it stabilizes you. It keeps you solid keeps you moving forward with him. We move into disappointment and, and saying, you know, we shared a little bit about disappointment, how disappointment hurts. And I have to say that a lot of times disappointment comes from wrong expectations. I have a wrong expectation of my husband, my children, I have expectations that not even God would have on them. And I'm expecting them to live to it. Well, you're going to be disappointed. Disappointment comes from people hurting us. It comes from, you know, our past. We're walking in it. We don't even realize that we're walking in because it just sneaks in. All of these just kind of creep themselves into our lives. And unless we're in the word of God and we're so focused on him, you're not going to recognize it. Bank tellers, 
they can recognize a phony dollar and emit a $100 bill. Why? They are so highly trained that they are, you know, feeling it, looking at it, so that as soon as that bill comes to their hand, they can tell right away if it's a phony or not. We need to be bank tellers. We need to know and have a relationship with God that the first sight or the first whisper or the first anything that comes at us, um, no, I don't think so. It ain't happening here today. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 is powerful. It's really, it's the great exchange. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to trade. He, he took on everything that we could possibly ever face in this life, and he wants to make that exchange with you. He wants to make the exchange with you so much that he's willing to chase you. He pursues us. You know, for those of you who are married or have had relationships, husbands, you know, those first couple of weeks, months, that, that man pursues you. He's trying to impress you with everything he has. He wants to pursue you and he wants to exchange the heaviness for gladness, for joy. He wants to take the burden from you and lighten that load. And there is nothing like Thanksgiving that breaks it. Because listen, we, we look in the scripture where, you know, through the the whole Bible, and this is really the only place that I have been a part of that people dance and shout hallelujah and praise God with all of their hearts, clapping and dancing, just like the Bible talks about. And there's a reason for that, because God knew that when we clap our hands, it becomes a meeting point that comes together and it causes a crash, okay? A crash in the spiritual realm. We're crashing against the enemy. <clears throat> We're breaking through strongholds. We're breaking through bondages and yokes because you're choosing to stand in worship. You're choosing to get into the word of God and not believe the lies that the enemy is wanting to, to have you believe about yourself. We are breaking through our atmosphere. See, our spirit senses, but our flesh does not. That's why it's so important. When we worship God and we're, we're in his word and we're praising him and we're just dancing, we are manifesting that in our spirit. And it gives us strength. It gives us fire and boldness, especially today, what you need in this world. 
We need to speak life, 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 life. We have people around us speaking death all the time. We got to speak life. We are called to speak life. The word says the word in our mouth is life or death. It's in our tongue. Are you going to stand and resist? Are you going to take your ground? You know this, when you are not battling toward, you are not battling towards victory, you are enforcing the victory that has already been won. You are already an overcomer in Christ Jesus. The victory is already yours. You just need to get in line with that. Get in line with the truth. I'm going to close with this. I love the scripture. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2 says, and this is what the Lord God says about you. I who created you, I who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers of difficulty. They shall not overwhelm you or drown you. When you walk through fire of oppression, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. We have a God who carries us if we allow him. We have a father who when we're drowning and we're in the pits, his hand is right here reaching for you. All we gotta do is reach out and grab it. All we need to do is say, Lord, help me. I need you. Let's just close our eyes. Father God, we just, we praise you. And we thank you, God that we are yours. That no matter what life wants to throw us, the curveballs of life, Lord, the roller coasters, although they can be fun at times, Father, we know you are with us. You walk before us. You surround us with your favor and blessing. That there is nothing too difficult for you that you can superly naturally move, that we live in a position and we stand in a suddenly, that we stand in victory because it's ours, because you already paid for it. And so right now, Father God, if there is anything, what is that obstacle, Lord? What is the obstacle that I'm bumping up against that that is keeping me, Father, from moving forward in you? Because I know my breakthrough's here. I know that you've already won that. What's keeping me, Lord? What's keeping me distracted from you? 
me for a moment, Lord. There a lie, Father God, that I've been believing about myself. He's showing you anything and he's speaking to you. You just need to renounce it. Repent. Ask him for his truth. It's your truth, Father. What do you say that I am? Show me that place, Father God, that you want to meet me. Where do you want me to be with you in my home? Where do you want to surround me with your arms so that I can be still and hear your voice? Your word says that your sheep hear your voice. Father, we just surrender to you. Thank you, Father. Again, that we're just enforcing the victory. We are moving in our calling, that we're moving in the way that you would have us live, the plans and purposes that you have before us. Let there be nothing between us and what you need from us and what you want from us but not in works, Father God. Fire for our hearts. God wants to restore dreams, lost hopes. Some of you have been praying for children that just are backsliding. They have the foundation. You gotta trust, just like what his word said, what he's begun, a good work in them, he's gonna bring it. He's gonna bring it to completion. That word of God cannot live in them and not do anything. People are gonna come and water those seeds. God's gonna put laborers in their life. They're gonna to come to know Jesus in a new way. There's gonna be a suddenly in their life, just like Saul. Thank you, Father, that you are a suddenly God, that we walk in boldness, not in fear. We don't walk in sight, but we walk in faith. That we want to be women that step out of that boat and speak our voice with a boldness and a shout in this world. That we are women, Father, that generations below us will know your name and they will worship you. Thank you, God. Father, and we love you, and we give this all to you.